The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live on this beautiful Monday, Martin Luther King Jr. birthday uh, day of celebration. We're so thrilled to be here with you live. Uh, today is January 18th, 2021. So uh, I'm Shannon Penrod and I'm grateful to be here. And I was running a little bit late this morning. I think it's the latest I've ever been to start the show, scaring Traven uh, <laughs> to death. But we're excited to be here with you this morning. We're going to be live for the next hour talking about autism from a 360 degree perspective. And we want to welcome you here because you're a part of that conversation. We want you to be a part of that conversation. So there's many different ways to watch us live. Right now we're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Periscope, and we might be live on autism-live.com as well. Uh, but we are definitely live on those four. Hello, good morning, Amanda. Uh, and we're welcoming you to be here and be a part of the conversation. If you are live on any of those big four platforms, you can you don't have to leave. You can stay right there and put your comment in from that site. If you would like to watch us later on, or you are watching us later on, then you're probably watching us in podcast form, which we're still available on those big four, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Periscope. But we also podcast to all major podcasting platforms. So we're on iTunes, we're on Apple Music, Deezer. I mean, uh, Traven's running through them on the screen. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Ghana, where aren't we? And that's a good question for you. if Because if you see that you go to your podcasting platform and you're like, well, Autism Live is not there. Will you please do me a favor and let us know because we would like to be there. Our criteria is that it's got to be free to the user. So we are a free download in all of those places. We think that that's a really important uh, part of our mission. And our mission is to provide information and inspiration to the autism community. But when we say autism community, we're talking about the larger autism community, which starts, of course, with individuals who are on the autism spectrum. I always say they're the beating heart of this community. There are reasons why, right? But we include in that community everyone who loves those individuals. It's just as you know, clear as that. So that could be absolutely anyone. It should be everyone, right? Eventually, it should be everyone. Uh, and we hope to be a part of making that possible. But in the meantime, you know, we believe very strongly that individuals who are on the autism uh, spectrum deserve uh, all of the respect, dignity, choices, ability to be employed, to choose who they love, how they love, where they work, so on and so forth, how they spend their free time, right? Uh, and so we think that while this com community is so diverse, like there are probably millions of things that we could never all agree on, right? Because it is so individual and so diverse. We believe that we can agree on that. The rights, the dignity, the, the access uh, to all things for individuals around the autism spectrum. So we hope to shed light. I always say information and inspiration. We count on you to help us to, to know what we're missing. And so that's why we love it when you ask questions, provide your comments, uh, we find that it's the funnest part of the show. I mean, we have some wonderful experts, and I do like to talk about the fact that we have lots of experts, and I'm not one of them. But uh, but the funnest part for us is when you're talking to us. So, and I think I speak for everybody who's involved in the show. That's when it gets the most interesting. That's when it's the most fun. So please feel free to write into us now. If you're watching us recorded, 
And I know a lot of you were watching over the weekend. I was so thrilled that uh, people caught the marathon on Saturday and Sunday on Facebook, where we show four of the episodes that we do during the week, we show on the weekend back to back. And those are pre-recorded. obviously. We do them live here and then we play them on Saturday. And I know sometimes it's confusing to people, are we live, are we recorded? Um, because they wanna be able to interact. And I just wanna tell you that you can always interact with us on our homepage, autism-live.com. Now, I'm not gonna lie and tell you that someone is manning that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they aren't. Um, but that's a way that you can interact and you can send in your questions and then watch the show. We usually address questions on the live feature on autism-live.com. At the beginning of Ask Dr. Doreen, we try to you know, throw some of those questions in. So tune in on Wednesdays when Dr. Doreen is here when we can answer those questions. Uh, John says, you're the best, best expert I've listened to. Thank you. Well, I'm not an expert in really anything, literally nothing. Uh, but, but here's what I am. I am somebody who's in your corner who wants to help you to get what you want to. Now, I, I'm not an expert, but that doesn't mean that I don't have knowledge. And um, like all of you, you have knowledge that you can share with all of us that we can all learn from. I'm a former teacher and I love, I'm curious and I love knowledge. So I have been hosting shows about autism. I think I'm in my 13th year. I think that's, I'm not good at math. Another thing I'm not an expert at, numbers. But I think it's I'm in my 13th year of covering autism, and I'm in my 16th year. Oh, my gosh. I just realized that it's like, uh, it's all, it's pretty much the anniversary of when my son was diagnosed. I think it was like, okay, so do the math here. Um, yeah, like um, 16 years ago, like uh, last week, 16 years ago last week. Um, that he was diagnosed and I knew, you know, almost, uh, double zeros, nothing about autism. And I had to, like a lot of you, I had to rush to catch up and to learn as much as I could on the fly. Not like you go to college and go, Oh, I'm going to start on page one, you know, uh, autism. No, that's not how it happens for a lot of us. So, um, I am deeply curious and I've learned along the way in those 16 years. And I've especially learned interviewing experts for 13 years. So um, I, I, I'm i not saying I don't know anything. I, I'm just saying I'm not an expert. So we like to be abundantly clear about that. But we do have lots, lots of experts here on the show and that's a really wonderful thing. We're thrilled always when we can bring you people who are in the know. But uh, can I just say this, when I go to get experts, I really am paying attention to what the things are that you guys ask for. So if I get a bunch of people, you know, that's how we came to have Bonnie Yates on the show, that we had so many people who were writing in saying, I just, I, I need enough information about how my child, what, what my child's rights are, what my rights are in the school setting that we were like, okay, well, let's get Bonnie Yates in here. And she did a couple of shows. And then it just seemed like we had a steady flow of questions. And so Bonnie became first a semi-regular and then a regular. So, um, and she's a wonderful uh, special education attorney. Hey, somebody wrote in over the weekend and I tried to address it. I had a million things going at once and I don't always get a clear thought in, but somebody wrote in over the weekend and said, does Bonnie work for card and does she just handle card clients? And I, I think I wrote in and said, but you know, who knows how lucid I was. Like I said, it was doing eight things at once. I'm not good at that. Uh, but Bonnie Yates does not work for Center for Autism and Related Disorders in any way, shape or form. She's a special education attorney and she's with Tolner Law Offices. So if you're looking to find Bonnie, um, you can go to Tolner Law Offices. I don't think that that's their website, but just put in Bonnie Yates Tolner with two L's Law Offices and you will get that website. I should know it by now and I apologize. But Bonnie uh, certainly has handled a fair amount of card clients over the years and is very familiar with the card program and the benefits of it, very familiar. But she takes clients who've never heard of card. Um, and so there we go. Look, see how good Traven in there, there is, there's the Tolner law office's website. It's special education council.com special education council.com. And that's how you can find Bonnie. Now, Bonnie is not going to be with us today. So that's a bummer, but it is Martin Luther King 
junior's birthday. And so she is off today and we hope that she is having a wonderful time, but we're not, we're here with you in all that beauty. So uh, one of the things that we like to start the show with on Mondays is something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani nani, are those experts talking about? What do these terms have to do with us? Why should we learn them? I don't know about you, but I get tired at certain times. I'm a very curious. Thank you, Amanda, for putting that up there for you, for us as well, to her page. I, Amanda's like our, uh, you know, uh, assistant here on the show. <laughs> so we, we always appreciate your such a wealth of knowledge. Um, so anyway, we, you know, I, I get tired sometimes. I'm a very curious person. I like to learn, but sometimes I'm like, really? Seriously? Like, I got to learn a whole other thing here now. Um, you know, when autism, uh, came to visit our house and, uh, came to live at our house, I was like, seriously, like, not only do I need to know about autism, but I got to learn a bunch of psychology terms. And then I got to learn about all this governmental stuff. And then, you know, when we were pushing for insurance to fund autism, it was like, are you kidding me? Now I got to learn a bunch of insurance terms. Now, you know, I I'll fuss about it for a little while, but then I, figure out what I think a lot of you have figured out along the way, which is, oh, sometimes being in the know saves you time and money. So we take on the jargon, one word, one phrase, one acronym at a time to sort of put things in our toolkit, you know, that we go, oh, okay, I kind of know what that is. And over time, we'll get a little bit more familiar with it. So first, what we do is we give you the actual definition. Then whenever possible, I make fun of the actual definition because that's me. And then... <laughs> Then we'll give you the working definition, which sometimes makes the experts apoplectic, but you know, that's just part of the fun too. And then I try to give you an example of it so you can sort of see how it would fit into your life. And if you don't get it, it's not something to get all patutzed about because, um, you know, sometimes these terms take a little while. They got to gestate, they got to marinate, if you will. And then you got to see it a couple of times before you go, oh, now I get what she was talking about. So I love today's term um, because I think it's something that applies to all of our lives and something that we could put more into effect for a better, saner, kinder humanity. We're talking, of course, about errorless learning. Don't like, I remember the first time somebody told me er what error, er they used the term errorless learning, and I was like, errorless learning? Does that mean you're going to give me the answers? <laughs> I'm a former teacher. Errorless learning, is that where you give me the answers? And it's like, ding, 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 to some extent. So let's take a look at what our actual definition for errorless learning is. Let's see how much jargon they can pack into this definition. An instructional design introduced by psychologist B.F. Skinner. I know a lot of people are fond of Skinner, but I'm a little not anymore, but that's okay. He learned, he taught us a lot of things. Uh, introduced by B.F. Skinner in the 1930s as part of his studies on what would make the most effective learning environment. Skinner said, errors are not necessary for learning to occur. Now, this much of Skinner, I agree with. Um, oh, Amanda says, uh, in my RBT group, you would not believe how many people recommended your journal of the day for a study guide. You know what? Uh, so we'll get to that in a second. Let's finish up with errorless learning, and then I'll tell you a funny story about that. So Skinner says, errors are not necessary to learn uh, for, for learning to occur. Now, as a, a teacher, uh, a former teacher, but I say once a teacher, always a teacher, and as a parent... I love this. I love looking at things this way. Errors are not necessary for learning to occur. Now, doesn't this sound like a really great way of attacking something, but what does it all boil down to? What does it actually really mean? So let's take a look at our working definition. Working definition for uh, errorless learning, uh, it is teaching procedures that are specifically designed so that the learner does not have to and does not make mistakes as they learn new information. Now, why? Why? And, and essentially, it's giving them the right answer, but being clever about it. Like sometimes um, we're not telling them, hey, I'm going to give you the answer here. But it, sometimes it means not giving them the choice of failing. 
Now, why would that be something that would be beneficial as you start to teach someone something? Well, I don't know about you, but I don't like to be wrong and I don't like to fail. I like to succeed. And in my life, there are, you know, I've learned a lot of new things. And sometimes you start doing something when you're learning it and you just have an affinity for it, right? I call it like that feeling of being flung down a wind tunnel where it just all makes sense, right? I know people that, you you know, in my life that somebody handed them a guitar 13 and it was just made sense, just made sense. And they could play the guitar and they found their passion, right? I watched that movie last night. Oh my gosh, so good. The documentary about the the guy who was the White House photographer uh, for Obama and also for Ronald Reagan. Oh, I'm telling you guys, watch this documentary. Um, But he was talking about the fact that he went off to college and he didn't know what he wanted to be. And he took one photography class and he called his mom and he said, I think I want to be a photographer. It just made sense. A camera in his hands. He loved being in the dark room. I said to my husband while we were watching it, I said, you know, I wanted to love photography. I love taking pictures. I love looking at pictures, I love playing with pictures. And I took a photography class in high school and I hated the chemicals, hated them, hated being in the dark room because there's the one phase in the dark room when you had to take the film out of the container. It had to be pitch black. And I hated it. It gave me panic attacks. I said to him, you know, can you imagine, like, those are the parts of photography that I didn't like. Now, if I had, if I were a high school student now and took a photography class with all digital, the parts I don't like are gone. Um, So I'm just saying that some things in life, we just, they're reinforcing in and of themselves because we're good at it or something about it makes sense to us. And we're willing to go through difficult things. It's not like the guy who was the White House photographer never made a mistake as a photographer, never missed a shot. He did, but he didn't mind because everything else was so reinforcing and he was willing to jump through hoops to be able to get better and become a true artist, right? The person who plays the guitar in the beginning, I'm sure that they didn't have the calluses on their finger and they had to build them up, but they were willing to go through the tough parts because there was enough other stuff that was happening reinforcing. But what happens when you want to be good at something that you don't have that affinity. And it's just tough in the beginning. It's just hard. Like, you know, we don't, we're not all ballroom dancers. I'm sure that, you know, a lot of us are like, I'd like to be able to move like that, but I'm not willing to go through what those people go through to get that far. Now that's okay. I don't need to be a ballroom dancer, but what if I'm someone who just isn't picking up language? What happens then? And I don't have an affinity for it. In fact, it's frustrating for me. How do we get me to the point where I've got buy-in and I'm willing to work through the hard things because I want to, because I'm getting some sort of a paycheck for it? Well, anytime we have something difficult that we want to teach to someone that they're struggling with, we want to, the rules of ABA say we want to start with reinforcing them. So how do we do that if they they don't already know how to do something? Well, we do errorless learning. And we do a couple of other techniques that are uh, really pivotal to ABA, but we start with some small sliver of a skill that we're trying to build up to learn, and we make it so that it's impossible to fail. And how do we do that? Uh, With language, for instance, by the way, we can do this with everything. With language, you know, we and we're going to be talking over the next couple of weeks about all the verbal operants and how we teach someone to discriminate sounds and what the names of objects are, both, you know, to be able to hear and recognize it, but also to be able to express themselves either through sign or language, uh, vocal uh, speech, you know what I mean? Text. Um, there are lots of different ways of communicating, but we want them to be able to hear and respond in a way that is useful and productive, functional communication, we call it. So how do we start that? We start with something called errorless learning, where we will, you know, put an object or a color or something. I've got my phone here and you can't really see my desktop. So I'm going to make a desktop with my hand. So I put the phone on the table and there's nothing else on the table. And I say to the child in as few, I want to say as few sounds as possible, which is why you hear people say touch phone, right? 
Um, because I don't want to say, can you take your hand and touch the phone? Because now, now there's just this stream of language that I've got to sort through. So I'm going to say touch phone, and then I'm going to take the child's hand and gently, 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 gently take it over, have them touch the phone and go, yes. And I'm going to tickle them and ruffle their hair and laugh with them and smile, whatever is reinforcing for that child. Cause some kids don't like to be tickled or have their hair touched. Right. Um, but I'm going to do this a bunch of times. And in the beginning, you know, people go, well, that's just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. You're not teaching that child anything, but I am. What I'm teaching this child is that you can be right. You can be right. And when you're right, it feels good. And you're capable of being right. Touch phone. And eventually I'll stop the, the physical prompt so that it's eventually I'll say touch phone and they'll touch their phone. Now, do they know what touch means? Do they know what phone means? No, not yet, but they will eventually because we're going to teach them how to discriminate between touch phone and touch pen and touch computer and touch Apple. We're going to teach them all, all of that kind of stuff. And we're going to teach them pickup, but we're going to start with that errorless learning. Now, if you're watching and you have a child in your life who is um, learning language and they can be on the autism spectrum or not on the autism spectrum, but you have a child who's learning language. There's lots of different ways to do this. And of course I recommend an ABA therapist, but there's something super easy that you can get. There's an app and it's called Camp, C-A-M-P, Discovery. And what I love about it, it's created by the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. That's, I just happen to love that about it, but that's just, you know, information for you. But what I love about it is that it follows the rules of ABA. So the child sits there with an iPad or whatever. And by the way, this is free. You can go get this. It's free. And if you want to see a perfect ex example of how errorless learning gets put into a series of things to learn somebody, go get Camp Discovery because it's right there. So the first thing that happens is that, you know, you turn on the app and it's got a little village, like a snow village, and children get this much more than adults do, but it's got a path of lessons that you can do. So the child clicks and it goes to the first lesson. And the first thing that it does is a preference assessment. It's trying to see what does this child like? So it gives them a bunch of boxes of things and the child clicks one and they know to do it. That kids know how to do and they'll, they'll learn just from, you know, having their hands on this. So they click one and maybe it's the duck. And, and so, it, you know, it makes a little whew that because you clicked on the duck, then it'll show more stuff and the duck is there, but the duck's in a different place and they might click on the duck again, or now they might click on, you know, the, the flowers. Okay, great. Then it'll do it. It might do it three, four, five times because what it's doing is taking data on what does this child like? Um, does it just like things that are in that corner or does it like ducks? This child likes ducks and it stores that and goes, I'm going to get you some ducks. <laughs> I'm going to help you out with some ducks here. But then it gives the first lesson and in that category, and it says, you know, so a duck appears on the screen and they go touch the duck. And if the child touches the duck, you know, and that's errorless learning, there's nothing else but a duck. And it says, touch the duck. Right. And if the child touches the duck, then little baby ducks swirl. Right. It's that kind of a thing. If they don't touch the duck, there's no, you know, there's no sound or anything like that. But the duck will start to get bigger. So maybe it's that the duck was too small and they'll go touch the duck and then the duck will start to pulse. That's errorless learning because I'm saying I want you to touch the duck. And when you do, you're going to get a reinforcer. Then gradually it gets harder and harder for them to discriminate between the duck. Eventually, they're going to give them a field of three and the duck is going to be there and they'll say, touch the duck. Um, and maybe they'll touch the, the puppy and then the puppy gets smaller and the duck gets bigger and it says, touch the duck. So this is what errorless learning is all about. Giving the person an opportunity to get to the reinforcer because it's a way of encouraging someone to learn. I absolutely love it. Uh, somebody says, love Camp Discovery. It's so comprehensive. Uh, hey, Maggie, I'm so glad that you dropped in and, and it's you're in the afternoon. We're still in the morning here, but glad that you're here. So in any case, errorless learning, it's a great way for anyone to start teaching. I want you to take a minute and think about something that you would like to learn 
And would you like to start the hard way or the easy way? And guess what? They've taken data and people learn faster when we start the easy way. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here. So some, I, I wanted to, good morning, our, our journey, Cameron's new life and good morning, Maggie. Um, so somebody, Amanda said that, uh, that this jargon of the day gets, uh, recommended for helping to learn things. It's so funny because we started jargon of the day so that we could teach people who weren't going to school for this, what people who are going to school learn. And now uh, universities all over the world use our jargon to uh, as study guides uh, and they give them the added plus of they tell them to go watch as many and to take data on my hair. This I just found this out recently that it's like, you know, see which in which videos is her hair the craziest. This I have a little bit sticking up today. I'm cutting my own hair in COVID. Um, and so it's a little scary. So. <laughs> That's the way, that's the reinforcer. They're like, oh, in which video does she have the craziest hair? That's the reinforcer for the students, but they're learning. I'll take it. It doesn't matter, right? Yes, I have crazy hair. Uh, it just suits my mood. In any case, good morning to Ratana. So glad that you're here. Oh, I'm sending you a big hug. You had a rough night. I'm so sorry. Uh, I am. I'm sending you a big hug. You're here. You're safe. It's all, it's all going to be okay. Write in if you want to, to tell us what, what was going on, but you don't have to if you don't want to. All right, we got to move on to the question of the day and our question for you today that you can be writing in on any of those big four that were on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitter. Where is your favorite place to shop? I want to know from you guys, like, you know, sometimes we have people who will come to us and they'll ask us questions like, you know, what do, what do people in the autism community want? Like for, for self-advocates, adults who are on the autism spectrum, you know, what's the, what's their favorite store or for moms who have kids on the spectrum, where's their favorite place to go to shop? Like people want to know this kind of stuff. You know why? They want to know what your reinforcer is. They want to know what would be exciting to you. What would be fun to win in a contest um, and I think that it's something that we should all think about. What's your, I have a friend, um, there's a, there's a store out here. I can't even think what it's, is it called home, home goods? That's what it's called. And she calls it her church. <laughs> she goes to home goods on a regular, she's like, if I don't, if I don't get to church once a week, things, something's really off, but she's talking about home goods. Um, oh my gosh. And so uh, oh, yeah. so the ch the person who had a rough night, they were up from 12 to five and then up at seven. Let's talk about this in just a minute. Let's, let's hang on to that. Uh, cause I want to talk about, oh, the, the, when, when we can't, when we can't sleep and when our kids can't sleep. So Target, Whole Foods and Ikea, you know, I got to be in the right mood to be in Ikea. Sometimes it's like the only place on earth that I can possibly be happy, but I got to say too, it stresses me out sometimes at Ikea because sometimes it's too much. Like if I don't know what I'm there looking for, I, like the ideal Ikea experience for me is when I know what I'm there looking for, but I have tons of time to shop it for other things. But if I have to go there knowing something that I want and I'm in a hurry, it's not going to be fun for me. And I've gone there before not having something in mind and it's just, it's too much for me. It's a sensory overload. Good morning to Roya, um, and thank you for the, uh, you liked the explanation of errorless learning, wonderful. Uh, I just bought my daughter a swing that spins, it's elastic and she loves it, weighted blanket online. I shop online a lot for my daughter. I only shop online right now. I have not been to a store, physically to a store since February, the end of February. I think I might've gone into a store on March 2nd, but we had already stopped going to stores before the shutdown. Um, and I literally have not been to a store, but I live in Los Angeles where you can get absolutely anything delivered. And um, so it's been interesting. I, I, I don't think I, maybe I bought a couple of things online before that. And now everything I order is online. So um, it's, and I've been sort of amazed. We should do a whole show on like what you can order online because pretty much everything. It's just, uh, that's not entirely true. There are some things that you can't order online, but now they have services that will go and get them for you. 
which is kind of crazy. Um, yeah. So, uh, but don't let me forget. I want to come back to the, uh, to sleeping at night. Okay. Uh, okay. So, and I'm, I'm glad that you like the crazy hair. I, I took scissors and hacked away at it the other day. And I was, I don't, it's always this scary sort of thing where I'm like, oh no. And I think to myself, what does it matter? Like we're home. What does it possibly matter what my hair looks like? And, and this will be like at midnight and I'm cutting my hair. And then I get up in the morning and I go, oh my gosh, I do a live show. I see people see me every day. I don't know why I'm like, nobody's going to see me. It doesn't matter. Uh, good morning. My grandson wakes up between one and four and doesn't go back to sleep for hours. We're lost and don't know what to do. We're going to come back to the sleep issue. That's what we're going to talk about. Uh, but let's continue on with our question. With our, we did our question. Let's do our topic for the week. And then let's jump right into sleep, insomnia, and our kids not sleeping. Uh, yes, and somebody's recommending the, the weighted blanket, trying something new. This is going to be perfect for what we're going to be talking about because I'll tell you something. You know, you know what the definition of ins insanity is? It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It's hard though. You know, I mean, that makes it so crystal clear. It's like, well, of course. Um, but it's hard because there's so many variables in life that sometimes we don't know which variable to change. And we don't know, so we get nervous and we just change everything. And sometimes that works, but a lot of times it doesn't because uh, we can't tra track data on, and then we're still in the same boat, right? And it just doesn't work. So um, we're going to be talking about this this week. And today, let's talk about it in terms of sleep, getting our kids to sleep, getting them to stay asleep. So more information. I think he just had too much sensory input with two uh, stores, haircut, shower, and potty training, and screen reinforcement uh, out for potty training was too much input, but sleep uh, would be nice for me. Yeah. Uh, I, and someone else says, LOL, I was just thinking of doing my hair. Yours looks fabulous. I think if you looked up close, you would be frightened. But um, okay. Uh, <laughs> and and somebody gave us a video. I have to do this at home, home scissor cut. Uh, and that's, I have to order new clippers because I had clippers and I was shaving everyone in the house's head and and the clippers don't work anymore. And I don't know whether that's because there's an insurrection in, in my home and the, the boy people in my home have made it so that my clippers no longer work for themselves. Um, but let's get back to the sleep thing and trying something new. So I think it's really important when, um, if something goes wrong once, it's like, I love this parent who says, I think I know what this was. I think it was that we try to do too much in one day and that it might've been too much. Uh, and I think it's great when we start to take a, take a guess that we, that we go, okay, you know, what, what were the variables? The other day, our jargon was antecedent. So what was the antecedent? that led to not being able to sleep. But I, but I really want to encourage you to not get too concerned or bogged down in that, um, but to just like create an experiment. So, cause we, I would guess that there would be certain days, for instance, think of yourself, like there are days when I can go to Ikea and sensory, it's okay for me. And then there are days when I cannot go to Ikea it's too much for me sensory wise. And I'd like to think that our kids are probably that like times eight, that there are some days when it's just not happening and other days where it maybe could happen a little bit. So I don't want to say that, you know, to you that there's never going to be uh, a time that your child couldn't do two stores and a haircut. You just might have to work up to that. But let's talk a little bit about um, sleep habits I just have to, you guys are writing in enough comments. I got to log into the chat so that I can see them after the fact. Um, because there's a big thing right now about having clean sleep habits that we set ourselves up for success. It's all about that antecedent kind of thing and creating basically a ritual. And everybody's ritual is different. But um, I want to start by talking about when kids won't go to sleep, and then let's move into when they're not um, staying asleep. And sometimes you're just going to have that random night where your kiddo wakes up in the middle of the night and won't go back to sleep, just like you might have that, right? 
Um, so one-offs, you know, those are hard. And for the parent who's had the, the one-off last night, I want to say to you, are there reinforcements? Is there somebody who can help you out today and let you get a two-hour nap? Because a two-hour nap going to make a world's difference for you. It's not going to change everything, but it would help. And if not, can you, um, the thing is you don't want to spend all day being snuggy with a child because then they're going to have a hard time sleeping tonight. Um, so if you can't get help and support giving them, you know, sometimes you got to like close off an area in, in the house so that you know that they can't get into too much, put on a video that you know that they love. And then you you know, lay on the floor around them. So you know that nothing bad is going to happen and you can doze. Um, I th he did fine with all, but at night, I think sensory diet might help. Okay. We're going to talk about that. I'm already missing some of the, um, uh, okay. Uh, we're having a discussion about Texas and California. I would just say to you, if you're looking for, um, resources. Uh, Texas has a lot of resources, but if you are wanting to have support from the, the, um, the government, the, what Texas has is, is not what California has. Um, but it is twice as expensive. Yes. Um, okay. So, and they say every time we do two stores, this happens. Okay. Well then that's great data for you to know. So maybe two stores is too much right now, but in a year, maybe two stores won't be too much. But I would also say that maybe if you do two stores, maybe you've got to add something else in like we do. I, I'm a big fan of tiring the kids out, just exhausting them to the point where sleep is the only option there is. Now, can you go too far with that? Yeah, because sometimes a child is so exhausted that they can't get themselves to sleep. But good, clean, fun, like, um, you know, I, I always talk here on the show about setting up the obstacle course in your living room and using the couch cushions and everything that's at you in the laundry basket and everything that's at your disposal, um, you know, and having them push the furniture into place and then, you know, pull it back. That's all that heavy work that's really good for them. I know we've been doing a lot of yard work because it's a weird time of year here in California where now the leaves have fallen and, you know, now is the time when you got to clean all that up and you really have about two weeks before everything starts to grow again. And having that outdoor, the sunshine and the fresh air uh, has just been knocking us all out. Uh, trying to build good habits this year. And one of them is focusing on bedtime routine and sticking to that bedtime routine religiously. So it's always the same thing. And we always do the same thing. Good for you. Um, make sure that you aren't, somebody suggests, make sure that you aren't feeding during those hours that he's awake between one and four. Yeah. So for those of you who are having trouble getting your kiddos to sleep, yes, setting up that ritual and depending on how old your kiddo is, it can look vastly different. And depending on what sensory is going on with your child. For instance, there are people who every night give their kids a bath and then they will uh, do a whole lotion rub down massage and they, they take lotion and they put Epsom salts into it too so that it's a detoxifier. You want to make sure that your child during the day is getting plenty to drink if you're going to be using Epsom salts in their, in their, because we don't want them to dry out, right? Um, but there's like a whole ritual. My son, I, I didn't know about the Epsom salts in the, the lotion, but uh, he, he would have a bath every night and I would do the full massage. He absolutely loved that. I used to say, I want that. I want to I want a nice, warm bath, snuggy pajamas, and a full body massage every night. What a wonderful thing. But then, um, but that wasn't enough to have it work. But we were told sleep hygiene, you know, it has to happen the same time every night. Um, that then the routine has to be the same. We were given a video that I think is only exists on the black market anymore. But if you can use anything that's like this. Um, it was a video, video called Nighty Nights, and it showed in the beginning, it's like a 16-minute long video. It's crazy. It's like, I, you know, it looks ridiculous. I don't know why people can't get it right now because uh, it's sold like crazy because it works. 
But in the beginning, it shows all these animals and they're jumping around, uh, the moms and the babies. And, you know, there's the lamb and it's jumping around and doing all this stuff. And there's the baby giraffe. And, and then the music sort of changes and they all start to wind down and they all end up snuggling up with, you know, their parent. And we watch the animals go to sleep. And there is something, some crazy magic about it. Although I will tell you that the other thing that they say um, scientifically is that if someone gets into the breathing pattern of someone sleeping, that they will go to sleep. So if you're, uh, you know, co-sleeping with your baby or a significant other and they're asleep and you match their breath to yours, you will go to sleep. Proven, boom, works. So something about children watching animals go to sleep, I don't know whether they mimic their breathing, but they go to sleep. Um, somebody else said lavender, by the way, is a good uh, thing. You can have uh, scented lotion that has lavender in it. It's supposed to be good for sleep too, yes. Um, okay, so fine. But then there has to be somehow the transition of, you know, I'm sleepy, to the bed where the person feels safe. And, and this is where there's so much room for error. Some people like to have the story time in bed so that we don't have to transfer and they can start to go to sleep. And there are lots of theories about, do you read until they go to sleep or do you leave before they go to sleep so that they know how to put themselves to sleep? I think all of that is really good data and important, except for some of us, we just don't have the option um, to, you know, go through what you have to go through to teach your child to put them to sleep when they're young and they have autism. Just keeping it real. Um, so get it, just getting them to sleep sometimes is the more important thing. So whatever the ritual is, if you find just the right machination that works. But I think a lot of it is being busy during the day and then having that pattern, the wind down, getting them to sleep. Okay, great. Now, if they really won't stay in bed, really want to encourage you to look at our videos about the bedtime pass. This is a thing, and we had a template for years. I got to see if we still have it. It's like I'm looking around for it. It would be on my computer, but I'm looking around. <laughs> I'm sure that we have it somewhere. But basically it's this thing that says bedtime pass and they have tickets. And you can do it with anything. You can do it with playing cards. You can draw them on a piece of paper, laminate it for yourself, but you give your child a certain number of tickets. Let's say that you notice that they get out of bed three, four, five times a night. So you decide to give them five tickets and you say, this is how many times you can get up out of bed. And I know you're thinking, I don't want him to get up out of bed five times. Why would I give him five passes? because we want for him or her to see that I can and that nothing bad will happen. We're going we're gonna to titrate them down over a period of time, but we give them five passes. Plus, what you will see is that when anxiety is a part of it, when a child is getting up out of bed because of anxiety, they will hoard the passes. This works. So you say to your child, here are your passes. You put them on the bedside table next to the bed or on the floor next to the bed, whatever works. And, you know, at first they're going to be like, I don't know what that means. But if they get up, you go, oh, okay, I've got to take one of them away. Thank you. And then you take it and you put it inside your shirt or you put it in the drawer or wherever you can go. Okay, that one's gone. Thank you. No recriminations for getting up. Oh, good. You gave me your bedtime pass. Um, and you don't about anything. You don't give them anything to drink. You don't give them a toy. You don't play with them. You just, you know, are very loving and quiet and you go, okay, great. Give me your pass. And now we go back to bed. You rub their back and you, you know, stay 30 seconds being very quiet and you go away. They get up and you go, oh, okay. No, thank you. Now I get the other pass and they will notice I'm out of them. And if they get out of the five passes, then you know your interaction with them is now completely gone, flat affect. And if they get up, you just motor them back to bed. You don't even stay a second. There's no discussion, no recriminations, okay? The other part of this that's really helpful for a lot of families is that if, if you can get them to a night where they stay in bed and they've got at least one pass, they get a big, they get to turn it in for a big something whatever you want to make it be for that child, right? So that really 
I'm telling you, like within 10 days, your child will be staying in bed and not using the bedtime passes because they'll be hoarding them. And then you very gradually take one pass away at a time and see if they're successful. Um, and, you know, uh, you get down to the point where they get one bed, bedtime pass. That's it. But hear me say that when, when they get up, there's no, we don't turn lights on. We don't, there's nothing to drink. There's nothing to eat. There's no playtime. See a screen. And we are not entertaining. We are the most boring people that we can possibly be. We, we are not angry. We do not say, stop getting out of bed. Like, cause that's entertainment. That's theater in the middle of the night. So we are as, as possible. So, um, so you do that. Now, if you've got a kiddo who's up and will not go back to sleep, then it's really important that you have something that keeps them in bed and helps them to feel safe. Now, it could be that they've got a certain blankie or a pillow that is their thing. Um, they also make these great nightlights. I love, um, there's a toy company called Uncle Milton Toys. You can Google them and they have a series of nightlights. We got the moon in my room, which I absolutely loved. And it's, a, it's, it's 3D shaped. It's just round, but it's 3D shaped and has the face of the moon on it. And then um, it has a little remote clicker that can make the moon in the different phases. So it could be waxing, gibbous, whatever, full moon. And, um, and it's on a timer and eventually it turns off. So the, we have to set up some rules. And by the way, they have everything else under the sun too. They have Jake the Pirate, <laughs> Tour of the Explorer. They have flowers. They have all like, they have ones that are, make ocean sounds and put like lights that, um, you know, are, uh, make it look like the surface of the ocean in the room, all on timers, all with a little clicker that we make the concession that that's the one thing, but you may only have that if you are in your bed. And when you are in your bed, you get to have that and you can be playing with that because if we minimize what they can be playing with, then eventually uh, they're either going to stay awake or go to sleep, but you get to continue sleeping. Now, if we're doing that method, we have to make sure that the child is safe, that the child cannot get outside, that you can sleep comfortably knowing that there is nothing that they can do to harm themselves, but they've got their clicker, they're in bed, and you are not interacting, right? There can be no interaction because if there is interaction, then I learn, well, it's more fun in the middle of the night. I get mom's undivided attention and this is, and it's cozy and it's warm and it's all the things that I want. So why wouldn't I be awake for that? Right? So we got to keep all that, you know, the one and only reinforcer is the thing that I only get when I'm in the bed. And, and as I said, it could be a fuzzy or it can be a light, but it should be one thing. Right. Um, okay. Um, and somebody's asking a question that has nothing to do with sleep. I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. But um, so super important that we do that and that we reinforce them in the morning if they've stayed in their bed, slept. And if they did not sleep, the routine of the day. Now, it's going to be miserable because they're going to be tired and they're going to want to go to sleep and they're going to be cranky. We make sure that their food is of the highest quality and that they eat on the regular intervals so that we don't add low blood sugar to the day, but we are going to wear their tuchuses out and not let them take a nap. It, they're going to want to take a nap and it's going to be really stinking hard, but it's once they've been up all night, it's important that we get them back on track and back into that circadian rhythm. So, uh, Oh, you have a sun and the moon clock. It helps them know when it's okay to wake up and when it's time to go to sleep. I love that. I haven't seen that. Uh, okay, you guys wrote in a bunch. I got to go back here. So we're having the big debate about California or Texas. I, you know, I love both states, but I'm just going to tell you that Texas has a grant situation that I was saying the other day that they need to be taken out behind the barn. Um, <laughs> it's just not a good grant. Um, and they say, oh, it's so great because they give families like two hours a week of ABA 
There's no study ever that shows that that's going to help anybody. All it does is teases people into thinking that they're helping their child. It makes me furious. But ask me how I really feel. If you have health insurance, really good health insurance, Texas is great. Texas is absolutely wonderful. And there's more and more services coming to Texas. But if you don't have uh, through your employer and you're relatively sure that your employer is going to keep that health insurance. Uh, I'm, I'm so far behind in the comments. Um, my daughter was diagnosed with PDD. It's been a long road, but uh, as long as you stick to it and staying on top of therapies like speak and, speech and occupational research, research and observe your child and take notes, it helped us. Um, absolutely. But I just want to, once... I'm just always going to talk here about ADA. And uh, I know that back in the day, I'm not hearing people getting a PDD NOS diagnosis anymore, which is making me really happy. Um, the problem is, is that now we're having kids either get the diagnosis of autism or they're not getting a diagnosis at all. Sometimes they're getting a sensory processing disorder. But pretty much you can argue, even if they have a diagnosis of ADD, you can argue now that uh, ABA is the therapy that would be good for them. And if you can get a doctor to write the prescription, you're good. Uh, has anyone seen the uh, Northwestern Mutual commercial where the mom uh, starts the soap company? We do love that. And I have looked to see if I could have her on the show, but I, I, I can't find that real person. Um, if you're having trouble with speech, having two magnets that say yes and no, uh, that you can hand your child the magnet that answers the, their question that helped my daughter with her speech. Sorry, this has nothing to do with sleep. That's okay. Um, yes. And, and we have messages about don't, don't give up. Baby Einstein's sleeping DVDs and CDs help my daughter. And uh, Jewel has a lullaby CD that's wonderful. We sang to my son a lot. Um, and to this day, if he is having trouble sleeping, all I have to do is say, would you like me to read to you? I can read that boy to sleep in three pages. <laughs> Just saying. Um, and there's a trick to it. If any of you have listened to Calm or Headspace um, for their sleep stories, I love them. And it's exactly what I did for years to put my son to sleep. And sorry, I'm just choking. Um, but, uh, you know, so when you're reading to your child and you want to read to your child, you make it very interactive and you have them touch things and whatever. But when you're reading to your child to have them go to sleep, you read and you lower your voice and you draw out all of your vowels and everything is a downward inflection. I love the, there's the one sleep story that I've listened to a bunch of times and it's the person who's like, uh, they describe the field of blue lavender plants. <laughs> they, they pause between each word and, you know, you just read to your children. I trust me. They'll go to sleep. You'll be lucky if you don't fall asleep reading to them. Um, and they're making a whole business out of this on apps now to, to talk adults to sleep, but it works for the kids too. And it can be their favorite storybook. You just read it in a slightly different way. Uh, okay. He scripts. So it's hard for me to ignore him when he wakes up. Um, okay. Well, I, I would tell you that we have to make the condition that first of all, I would be trying during the day to teach him how to script softly. Have you ever seen, um, there's a thing that people do. If you go to a hardware store and you get, um, uh, PVC pipe pieces, you need one piece that's about this long, and then you need two elbows and it makes a foam. Right. So you put an elbow on one end, you know, uh, an elbow on the other end, and it looks like a play phone. Right. But you hold it up to your child's ear and you have them talk into it. And what they can do is they can hear themselves talking. And then we teach them, you know, how we talk softly and we put it, put it up against and we, we whisper. 
right? And then we reinforce that. But that that's some people say that's our whisper voice. Some people call that the indoor voice, whatever, the quiet voice, whatever. But he needs to be able to hear it. A lot of times our kids don't hear themselves. There's something magical about that PVC pipe and they hear themselves and they can hear volume. And if they're really not hearing it, then you twist the pipe so that the elbow is facing one way and you talk in the other and then you say something a little bit louder. And then you, and then you say, now I'm going to say soft. This is my soft voice. And then you have them try it so that he learns this is my soft voice. And at night we use our soft voice so that he can be talking and doing his scripting while he's playing with it on the thing, but it's not keeping you awake. Um, let me know what you think about that. Um, okay, and and how we stop self-reinforced scripting. Um, this is really hard. That's one of the hardest things that there is. But the first thing that we do is we need to make them aware of the fact that they're doing that. We also need to give them a replacement behavior. I will tell you that my son used to do this. He made noises, though he didn't say sounds. And it took years. It took years. I don't want to scare you, but it took years. But what finally, and it took years so that he could begin to understand a whole bunch of different things. One of them, he had to understand perception of, of himself and perception of other people. It wasn't until he got that that he understood why him scripting wasn't going to work for other people. So the thing that finally, well, once he had all of a bunch of things and that in there, there was a day where our autism whisperer, Peter Farrig said to him, you know, you're making this noise. And cause he would over and over and over again. And he said, can you make that noise in your head? And, and he did it in a very simple way. He said, he said, I'm going to make the noise. And he said, now I'm not going to make the noise so that you can hear it, but I'm going to make it in my head so that I can hear it. And he, and he sat there and he, he said, yep, I can hear it in my head. And then he said to Jem, now you try it. And my son did it and he, and, and, he, and he said, did you make the noise in your head? And he said, yeah. And he said, I couldn't hear it. Good job. And so for, and it was like, my son was like, you mean I can do it then? And it doesn't bother anybody. And, and my friends won't say, what's that noise? I can still do it. And we said, yeah. And he was like, great. And then if he started to make the noise around any of us, we would say, can you make the noise in your head? And he would, it was like a switch that he could switch. And, and it's very rare that I hear him make a noise anymore. And now it's like a thing I delight in because I know that it means that he's like that happy that he, that he forgot for a second, uh, if that makes sense. So, but I will tell you, there's a lot of things you have to have in place before you can do that. Uh, somebody's, uh, applying for their RBT exam today. I'm so excited. <clears throat> um, yeah, calm is so boring. I, I think that calm is, is really for adults because it's so boring. Uh, <laughs> I went to sleep trying to figure out what they were talking about. It definitely works. There's the one where they describe the spices on the shelf because they have some that are free and some that you have to pay for. Um, and there's the one where she describes the spices on the shelf. Holy business, put me to sleep. Uh, and good luck to our person taking the RBT. Uh, so we absolutely love that. Absolutely love that you're taking your RBT today. All right. We are unbelievably out of time. I don't know where the time has gone. And I feel like there was something else I promised that I was going to talk about. Uh, and the time has run out, but let me tell you a little, we got 30 seconds. Let me tell you a little bit about, um, yeah. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about what's happening this week. Uh, this week on the show tomorrow, Temple Grandin, we're doing one of our best of episodes of Temple Grandin. Then on Wednesday on inauguration day, we have Dr. Grampy here and she's going to be answering your questions, not about inauguration, but about autism and everything related to autism. So that will be on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, we've got a fabulous woman who's going to be here with us. She's a realtor who knows a great deal about autism and autism friendly design for homes, how we set up our homes to be a benefit to our kids on the autism spectrum. I'm really excited to talk to her. And then on Friday, we have Leah Hirschfeld going to be joining Nancy and I for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. She's going to be giving us the lowdown on some of the re latest research on access to services, who's getting them, who's not, why, 
and what we can all be doing to help ensure that more people are getting access to services. So that's how the week is breaking down. And uh, we're super excited about it. And yes, everybody's saying good luck on the BCBA. Uh, my Somebody says my daughter has a signature sound that she does when she gets excited. Uh, and there we go. Uh, Oh, I love this advice that uh, Amanda has said, when you take your test, replace all the names they give you with names that you know. And I think this is really true too. I took my, uh, I didn't, I took the BCAT, I guess I took the RBT test. I took the BCAT test. And when, um, when I did it, I, like I, sometimes I would read the question and I, and I would get all thrown off and I would go, wait a second. Okay, so let me think about Jem or you know one of the 18 million children I know on the spectrum and picture them doing this. And, and, then, I, and then it was like the answer, all the clouds would clear and I would know the answers. So absolutely think about the people that you know, it'll make much more, more, much more, more, more sense. All right, blessings to all of you. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug for me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.